What if I told you that you can support your blood pressure and healthy CoQ10 levels with two chews a day? The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. That's like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 supports your cardiovascular health. Visit RadioBeats.com and find out how you can get a free 30-day supply on bundles and save 15% with the promo code DEAL. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You've got your Mega Mac guys here on a football Monday. We got a couple of countdowns going on to the NFL draft, which is now just 17 days to the start of the season. To the day that the Eagles get their other starting safety. Johnny Mac, we know after this weekend, uh, it is not going to be Rodney McLeod rejoining the Eagles defensive backfield. He signs a deal with the Indianapolis Colts. So the Eagles are still on the lookout for uh, their starting safety pairing for this upcoming year. We know Anthony Harris is back. Rodney McLeod won't be after six really good years, including a championship here in Philadelphia. Why isn't Rodney McLeod an Eagle again? Um, I think, you know, the plan the entire time was to sign one of the two starters from last year. So it, it kind of uh, re-signed. Uh, they were both scheduled to be free agents, and the Eagles essentially um, decided on Anthony Harris. And look, I, you know, at the beginning, I said McLeod was more likely to come back from Harris, but I give the Eagles a little credit. The reason I went in that direction is because of Rodney's, you know, sort of leadership status on this team, what he means to the community off the field, you know, on the field, Jonathan Gann is the defensive coordinator. He's more competent, more comfortable with Anthony Harris. Um, he's a little bit younger, Anthony Harris, from that standpoint as well. So from a football sense, it probably made more sense to keep Anthony Harris. And they kept Anthony Harris. I was a little surprised by that. And ultimately, you know, at the Maxwell Football Club, I can say this now, Rodney was there uh, getting the humanitarian award and pretty much uh, told uh, – myself and a few others that he wasn't going to be back. Uh, but you know, he didn't, he didn't want to make it public at that point. Uh, but the Eagles, you know, it was clear they made their decision. Anthony Harris was signed that day. So, you know, you don't never knew at the time if it was just emotional or something like that, but you know, it's ironic because those two are really good friends. They went to college together. Anthony Harris uh, considers Rodney McLeod a bit of a mentor uh, so it's always difficult in the business of football, but they wanted one of them uh, and they didn't want both because they wanted to upgrade. We'll see what they do in the draft. I think that's a logical position. Honey Badger's still out there. I think the Eagles will be involved in that. If it, if the market demands it and it comes down to where it's going to be one year and the, and the numbers aren't outrageous, they would certainly consider bringing him in. But 
they wanted an upgrade and they wanted to keep one of them and they made their decision. We'll see how it works out. So you think it was a foregone conclusion because uh, you just uh, let us in on the re reveal that uh, you uh, felt you needed to keep under your cap till now that uh, it was going to be one or the other. There was no chance that both of these safeties were coming back to the Eagles, that they had to make a call to take one out of two and decided to, for that to be Anthony Harris, that uh, that was something that they had predetermined. Well, I think that was the plan. You never say never because if, it, for instance, if you went through the process and you sign Anthony Harris and you go through the draft and you don't get the player you want uh, or you don't get a player you think can be a starter as a rookie, uh, Tyron Mathau isn't available. He goes to the Rams to go win a Super Bowl, something of that nature. And then you revisit after the draft. If Rodney McLeod didn't sign anywhere by that point, um, they probably would have considered bringing them back, but bringing him back, but it wasn't the plan. So, you know, like, but everybody's got plans in, in life. You know, the Eagles are wide receiver. We talk about all the time. The plan was to get Calvin Ridley. The plan didn't work out uh, for obvious reasons. The plan here was to bring one of the two back and Rodney found another gig. So there's no safety net to come back to the situation after the draft. Uh, but if everything um, fell into those categories I just said, and you, you get no draft pick, you get no math, math out, you get no veteran safety, then they would have, yeah, revisited and said, well, yeah, let's bring back Rodney. But that wasn't the goal. The goal was to upgrade at least one of the two positions and then sort of save one position for some, um, you know, consistency and, 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 Jonathan is just more comfortable with Anthony Harris, which is understandable. Here's one of the questions I have about replacing <laughs> Rodney McLeod. And I would love to give credit to who said, maybe you can remind me. I'm pretty sure he's here with us on Birds 365, not on one of my WIP shows, but it might have been. So I can't say for sure. Shame on me for not remembering who it was. They did point out that Rodney McLeod got better as the season went on that he was yeah, a guy true. who was still recovering from an injury when the season got underway. Sometimes we kind of uh, forget these things that a guy was returning from an injury and wasn't up to 100% speed when the season started, but got actually healthy as the season season went on. Usually we think of it as the other way that players wear down over the course of the season, that Rodney might have been a guy who was actually getting better as the season went on, made the big play in week 16 against Washington, which helped them secure a playoff spot. Um, that that might be a real honest read on Rodney McLeod's last season. And if it is, then you have to judge his season accordingly. There was a drop-off in production. He wasn't the same player that he was on the Super Bowl team back in 2017. But he, he was a guy who was getting better. Do you think that his season was at all misleading this year? Um, no, because I think that was a little bit expected. I mean, he tore his ACL in December um, in the prior season, so 2020. Um, so that's that's very late, obviously. And you remember, I think he missed the first four games this year. So he was, you know, still rehabbing from the ACL. So it's sort of natural um, to not feel comfortable coming back from that injury. 
and as he got more comfortable as the season went on, he started playing a little bit better. You know, then it's the old chicken and the egg. The Eagles' schedule also got easier. They were playing bad quarterbacks. Um, I think the biggest thing, though, is in June, I think, is Rodney. Rodney will turn 32. So, you know, you know how this league, but we talk about it all the time, especially defensive backs, 32, two torn ACLs. Remember, he tore his other ACL a couple of years prior. Um, I think all of that factors into it. And, you know, Anthony's been a little bit healthier as well, a little bit younger, as I said. Um, and it, both were going to be cost effective. So the price wasn't going to be an issue with either. Um, and they, you know, they made a decision. They wanted to bring back one. They made their decision. I don't, um, I think Roddy can still play. Um, we'll see if he earns a starting job in Indianapolis. Um, but, 32-year-old guys in this league with an injury history, it's going to be – it's always going to be tough for them. Here's uh, where I can side with the Eagles. If they got the evaluation right, that the player's skills were diminishing, the fact that he's a guy who's gone through a lot of injuries, that's just facts, and you need to factor that in in your decision-making. If you think that his level of play isn't what used to be, then you have to make a football call. you got to make a football decision the Eagles have – uh, that they decided to go with Harris over Rodney McLeod at this time. I've seen a bunch of stuff on social media about how uh, diligent a uh, philanthropist that uh, he was here in Philadelphia and the great charity work that he's done and the fact that uh, he he was committed to doing both great work on the field and off the field. And while I applaud it and salute him and would give my high five right here with us on Birds 365, that can't factor into your football decision. You have yeah. to purely leave it up to what can he give us on the field. You can appreciate him. You can appreciate the work that he's done and lend a helping hand if he is committed to keeping his foundation in place in Philadelphia here. You can't be affected by that. You have to make a football decision. And I give the Eagles credit uh, for that. Oftentimes, they go a little bit longer with players uh, who have been here, who have contributed, who have been part of the organization. That was not the case here, and I think it was a cold, harsh reality that they had to deal with. Do you think Rodney McLeod's got anything left in the tank? Is he going to help the Colts? Uh, I I think he's got something left in the tank. I think he can still play. I, I think he's probably better suited to be – uh, a rotational, you know, sort of at the end of the last season, the Eagles went to a essentially a rotational type of situation where, you know, Rodney was used to his entire time here playing basically every single play. And he admitted it was a little bit difficult for him um, when they started mixing Marcus Epps in, who's part of this as well, because the Eagles really like him as a coverage safety. Um, and, and, you know, if you have that third safety to rotate in, if you want to go with that sort of philosophy, and a lot of teams don't, um, a lot of teams consider that as a non-rotational position. I'm not sure if he can play every single snap at this stage of his career, but yeah, he can still play. I mean, I, I, and you know, Frank Reich obviously knows him very well and, um, We'll see how it works out. I don't know the situation with Indianapolis at safety. I know they were kicking the tires on Honey Badger as well. 
Uh, they were one of the teams in that. So they're obviously looking for a safety. Um, so he should be able to help. They, but if you're looking for Rodney McLeod at his apex, uh, that's probably not going to happen anymore. Fair enough. Uh, what does the year 2016 uh, mean to the Philadelphia Eagles after this weekend, John? There's a significance to there's a dual significance to that year. After this weekend, um, that's Doug's first year. Uh, I don't know where you're going. I'll fill in the blanks for you. 2016 was the year Rodney McLeod joined the Philadelphia Mm -hmm. Eagles. And 2016 was the last year that the latest Eagles signing actually played football. That Devin Allen, a wide receiver, ah, former yeah. Oregon Devin, Duck, I should have got signed yeah, with the Eagles this year. Nothing like signing a guy who hasn't played football in six years. John, give yeah. us the background on this free agent signing, undrafted free agent signing. Well, Devin uh, uh, is an Olympian, so he sort of made a decision. He played at Oregon uh, as a wide receiver. Yeah, it had you know it was a pretty Decent deep threat, I think, in 2014, um, which was the year Chip Kelly, the year after Chip Kelly left um, Oregon to come to Philadelphia. Um, And then he sort of made a decision. You know, if you want to be an Olympic sprinter, you can't. Yeah. uh, Well, in his case, hurdles, uh, 110 meter hurdles. He can't sort of go all in on both. So we went more in that direction. And he made two Olympics. I think he finished fifth and then fourth. Um, so he's, you know, high-level uh, hurdle, 110-meter uh, guys. So, and and now he's 27, and he decided, well, if I'm going to try it, I got to I got to try it now because you're going to age out pretty quickly, and people aren't going to consider it. So he went and he showed up at Oregon Pro Day, and he ran, I think, a four-three-five. So. You know how people in this league feel about speed, Jody. Um, and and this is a kid that can catch the football. I mean, he's played football before. He's not just a track guy uh, trying trying to play football. So I think it's a worthy roll of the dice. But, yeah, I think a lot of people <laughs> saw this signing and thought that the Eagles are trying to, you know, make him into a contributor this season. I think this is their classic, you know, if you want to go – to Jordan Mailata would be the the biggest example of a develop, developmental prospect, Tyree Jackson. But this is sort of like Brett Toth when they signed Brett Toth coming back from the Army. Um, same type of thing. Uh, that happened in August, though, because uh, the, at the time, I hate to bring up this name, but at the time, the president was was Donald Trump, and he he changed the rules or service members in that they could have a deferral and if they had a chance to play professional sports and the Eagles brought in Brett Toth because they liked him as a prospect. And the plan was to get him on the practice squad and help him develop and hopefully turned into a player. Same thing here. Um, Eagles got a guy can run. They're obsessed with speed can catch the football a little bit, but yeah, they're not it. You know, people took this as they're signing him to be a receiver because they need an upgraded receiver, which they still they still do. They still this is just a developmental project 
And yeah, why not? I mean, the guy can run by everybody. And I, I always laugh at Tyreek Hill because he's been doing it for years. Uh, choking about he, he'd be able to beat Usain Bolt in a, in a race. No, no, you wouldn't. Uh, you couldn't even beat Micah Parsons. Uh, you, you, you can't beat high-level Olympi- Olympic track stars. This guy can really, really run. So, you know, roll the dice. It's a little bit of a lottery ticket play. Yeah. If you cash it, it's great. <laughs> if you don't, it's no great loss. Be interested to see how much, if there was a couple teams interested in him, the Eagles have to put in for guaranteed money, standard three-year deal for undrafted free agents. Uh, it all comes down to how much the guarantee is. But if he's at an age where you can't take forever to bring him along. When they drafted Jordan yeah. Mailata, they knew they had years before they were going to yeah. have to call on him and put him into game. It's going to be a little quicker here. Uh, but they have all of training camp and pro- probable practice time squad to continue to evaluate the guy, but I just thought a very interesting story. Signing a guy who hasn't played football in six years. Yeah, well, that went over. That part went over well. Went over like a lead balloon. But that, you know, those people are expect. They think he's here to, you know, play immediately. He's not. But you're right. The time has to be, the the clock has to be sped up a little bit. So my, my thought there would be they would want, you know, a year on the practice squad, and hopefully by next year, uh, if he gets, you know, sort of knocks the rust off, uh, who knows? You know, let him run by people and see what happens. Of course, they already have that with Quez Watkins, but I digress. Yeah, good. but Quez, Quez, they're already leaning on. This would be a uh, down-the-road proposition. All right, John McMullen, Jordan McDonald, you Mac Mac guys here on Birds 365. The countdown to the draft is on. We're just over two weeks away. What will the Eagles be doing? How's the first round going to shake out? We're going to do some uh, NFL draft guests over the next however many shows before we get to day one of the NFL draft, including coming up next. Uh, Russ Brown is a guy I got to know over the last several weeks. Someone booked him for my show on CBS Sports Radio, came on, did a heck of a job breaking down the draft for us. We will punch him up next here on Birds 365. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. 
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. John McMullen and Jody McDonald here with you on Birds 365. The countdown to the NFL draft is on. And we've got a guest joining us to give us some insight as to what's shaken out a couple of weeks before we actually get down to day one and the pickings of the new NFL talent. Uh, Russ Brown is a guy who had on my uh, national radio show a couple of weeks ago. And I see via his Twitter that he's also doing some new work now for Woodward Sports Network. Russ, first of all, thanks for jumping on board. What is Woodward Sports Network? Mac, man, it's great being back with you. Um, appreciate you having me on. But yeah, Woodward Sports Network is a uh, basically a year-old uh, Detroit sports media company. Uh, they really emphasize on video and audio. They're connected on a couple of the FM stations out here in Metro Detroit. Um, so they brought me in to, to do a draft show for them. And, um, you know, we'll be doing a live draft show in a couple of weeks when the draft kicks off. So uh, pretty exciting stuff. You know, my my lifelong goal is always to just be like on radio and it's slowly happening. So we're uh, we're just kind of letting it letting it ride and we'll see how long we can go for. <laughs> well, Russ, it, since you're in Detroit, let's start at the top of the draft and one, two. And yeah, I think everyone kind of looks at the edge rushers and how it's going to shake out. Is that where where you think Jacksonville and Detroit are going to go in the, that type of direction? I do believe that. Um, I mean, I, I still uh, part of me wants to believe and maybe it's just me being hopeful that the best player in the draft ends up falling in the laps of Detroit. But part of me believes that maybe Jacksonville is still spinning the tires on looking at an offensive tackle in this group like an Evan Neal because he's so explosive of an athlete. He's, he's just got terrific size. He's very versatile on the offensive line. And if you really are going to build things around Trevor Lawrence, another offensive lineman makes a lot of sense. And also some things that I've just kind of gathered over, over time is that there's a chance that Cam Robinson might not have signed his franchise tag yet. And I find that very interesting. I don't know if that's true or not. I mean, I'm not there signing the paperwork or anything, but it certainly has sounded like maybe he's been hesitant on signing things or they've been hesitant on having them sign things. And maybe it's because they want to see who they're actually going to end up taking here. Um, again, I still, I still think if I had to put the pickings today, it would be, Aiden Hutchinson one, Kayvon Thibodeau two, or an outside chance of Malik Willis at two. All right. So you said uh, maybe the best player drops to the Lions at number two. Is mm -hmm. that in your mind, Aiden Hutchinson? If the uh, Jags were to go with an offensive lineman in number one, is there a big difference between Hutchinson and Thibodeau with the second pick in the draft? Not really. I mean, I, th I think it's more so just they, they both play a little bit different from each other. Uh, they, you know, they have great flexibility off the edge. They, they both have really good length for the position. Uh, but I, th I think the thing that just sets Hutchinson apart is just 
that constant motor. I mean, he never turns it off. You watch those games. He is just going time and time again. And I, I think that really separates him from Kayvon. Not saying Kayvon doesn't work. Not saying he takes plays off. It's just, it's very evident when when Hutchinson is on the field. And you feel it every single time, whether it's against the run, uh, on a passing play, whatever whatever it is. He, he just is phenomenal at it. Um, and, and he's just somebody that I think, when I, when I watched it, he just has like that it factor. And if you have that it factor to me, to me, you're, the, you're that top player. A uh, little bit of a wild card could be Trayvon Walker from Georgia, who seems to be uh, a little bit, I, I think everybody regards him highly, but I think more NFL people really like Trayvon Walker's ceiling as a player, maybe then sort of, whatever you want to call it, social media, uh, draft world uh, has, you know, not maybe caught up to that. Any inklings of, of Trayvon Walker going up that high in the draft? I personally don't see it. That's just me. I mean, I, I don't see it from a production standpoint, from a player standpoint. Uh, he doesn't really work his hands as well as some of the other edge rushers in this class. He doesn't really have a pass rush plan for that matter. Um, he is certainly somebody that has great length and just overall power for the position. He was a former uh, power forward, former center back in the day in high school. He was a beast. Don't get me wrong there. I mean, he was a beast down in the paint, but at the same time, it's, it's one of those players that's it's just not there yet. And he's, he's very versatile. He can play in a variety of spots, but it's what is he going to play in the NFL? That's the thing that, that I need to know. Where is he going to play? Because in his career, he's only got about 800 career snaps. And that's telling to me. I mean, Aiden Hutchinson had like 850, 900 snaps alone this year. So if he was this good, why wasn't he playing? And I get it. They have a loaded defense. But if I'm taking you in the top five of the draft, you better be the best player on your team. And I don't even think he was the best player on that defense. So I, I have to view it from that standpoint. I think he's a first round type of player. I just, I just wouldn't be taking him in the top five. If you were, you know, in the, in the range of 12 through 20 or something like that, and you, you took that pick, that would make sense to me. Russ Brown from uh, cover one.net, our guest here on uh, birds, three sixty five. All right. That will make my next question real easy. Who was the best player on that Georgia defense? <laughs> Yeah, I, I think it's N'Kobe Dean. Um, I know a lot of people are are very hit or miss on him. They they don't really like that he didn't test during the combine or during a pro day or anything like that because he's a he's a little bit undersized. He's six foot two twenty eight. But I, I just think how effective he is as a blitzer, the range that he has, the the ability to scrape over the top, and just that sideline to sideline ability. He is that gifted. He is that talented. And he was the team leader of that defense. He, he put it all together. He's a great player off the field. He's a great player on the field, but even off the field. I mean, I think I've told you this before, Mac, man, he's, you know, he, he hasn't had a B plus since the eighth grade year of, of middle school. He's, he's a great student. He's a, just a great dude off the field. And, and, and maybe there's something missing that I haven't found out, but he, he seems to have kind of like that total package. And I, I, I see a top 10 player when I watch his tape. And I don't know if he's necessarily going to go top 10, but if I if I was a team in the top 10, I need a linebacker, that'd be the guy I'd do. Yeah, people are trying to will the Eagles to take a linebacker, Russ, but they haven't done. They haven't taken an off-ball linebacker since 1979 in the first <laughs> round. So until they do it, I'm not going to believe it. But obviously <laughs> there would be two in, in Devin Lloyd as well in Utah. Um you got both those guys as top 20 picks. Where do you have them sort of landing? 
Yeah, they, they're they top 15 players for me. Um, you know, the only player that separates the two is Chris Olave. So it's relatively close between the two players. Um, and it, it's one of those things where, you know, Devin Lloyd, he's so versatile. And, and you see the versatility off the edge that he, he, he provides, what he can do just in the middle. Um, he's got great length. I mean, he's 6'3", really long arms. And, and he's just an impact type of player. And I, I think uh, if you were a team, like I mentioned, if you're a team that's in the need of a linebacker, it's it's really kind of pick your flavor between the two. One's a little bit taller than the other one, but they both I think have very similar athletic profiles um, just from their athletic ability alone. So I, I wouldn't really hesitate if I if I had to take one of the two, I would just take one of the guys that I feel is best for my defense, and I'm moving forward. So if the Eagles were to to take one of those guys, I mean, I don't I don't know if they would have a preference. I mean, maybe it would more so be Devin Lloyd just because he is a little bit more versatile. He's not really that guy that you just plug in the middle. You can, like I said, do a lot of different things so maybe that holds a little bit more value to the Eagles defense um, but again I don't know if I don't know if one of them you know one of them might be gone by the time they, they make that first pick in the, in the first round no, real I, quick as a follow-up before you jump in sorry Jody sure. um, because I think it's more likely that the Eagles would go linebacker in the second round where they're 51 overall so who would your third fourth guys somebody in that range that they might think about jumping jumping in the pool with that would be Chad Muma out of Wyoming. I, I think he's a little bit of an underrated player because he played at Wyoming. The talent level might not all always be there when he's, you know, playing on a Saturday afternoon because it's not the SEC, but he's, he's a great athlete. He is somebody that certainly has great size for the position. And I, I think when you watch him play, you see the coverage skills from him. You see his ability to, to be really efficient in the box. He's been a tackling machine for the last two seasons. Um, I believe he's posted close to a hundred tackles in, in the last two seasons um, in each season. So I think he's just somebody, if you put in that, box role he, he's going to find ways to, to make a difference in stopping the run and again he understands his drops and coverage which is really important when you have you know a mid-hook defender or you're, you're going curl to flats whatever it might be I think he is somebody that can do that that type of role for you uh, so I, I like him quite a bit and if he was there in that second pick somewhere in that second round for them or I should say their third pick of the draft in that second round that would make uh, that would make a, a great selection for them all right two-part question Russ uh, and it's about one specific player the first part is I want you to give me your analysis, where you think the player should go, your draft board, your evaluation of the individual, and then give me your projection as to what the NFL is thinking right now. Uh, teams you've talked to, research you've done, how you think the board is going to fall and where the guy's going to come off. John and I are both very big fans of Kyle Hamilton. And we're both mm -hmm. kind of on record as saying he might be the best football player in the draft plays a position safety that has been devalued by the NFL, and that certainly will uh, affect his draft status. I've seen not one but two NFL drafts where Hamilton is dropping down at least the 15, where the Eagles had their first pick, if not further. One mock I saw this weekend had him going to the Patriots in the 20s, which means <laughs> the Eagles would have passed on him twice. Yeah. I can't believe that. I think he's a top-five talent. I know John thinks highly of him as well. Doesn't think the Eagles are getting them if they stay pat at 15. Give me your evaluation of the player and where you think the league sits with him right now. Where do you think he's going to be taken off the board on draft night? I think he's a top five player. I'm with you guys there. I mean, he, he is certainly somebody that is, is 
in the top five of my board. Um, he's at, he's, he is actually fifth, but I mean, it's again, we're talking fractions of a point between, you know, these top players, but he, he's a phenomenal player. That's very versatile. You can play him as a single high safety. You can play him down in the box. You can do a variety of things with him that I don't think you can do with every single safety in this class. I mean, it's a very good safety group, but you can do a lot more with Kyle Hamilton and it's just about finding the right fit. And I think that's where the issue is, is one, you see a, a really, a relatively good athlete, on tape but then you see him running at the combine and at the pro days and the long speed is, is a little bit questionable he'll he might get tested from time to time but you're not really going to be asking him to run vertically in man-to-man coverage on the outside against you know the, the the faster receivers of the league he's he's going to be playing over the top down in the box covering slot receivers tight ends running backs things like that so I think that's where he's ultimately going to play in the NFL um I I, I think you know it's funny on DraftKings on the draft position of these players. I was doing a show last Monday or two Mondays ago, and it was at six and a half for Kyle Hamilton and over six and a half was like plus plus one fifty, And I was ready to jump all over it the next day after his pro day, it dropped down to eight and a half. So I think that's really where the range starts. It's going to be, you know, around eight, nine, 10, 11. If he got past Washington, I would be quite surprised. I think it'll be that eight through 12 range. Minnesota new regime if they were able to get a, a player like this to to you know pair up with Harrison Smith I think that's a great s- spot for him um, but again Washington at 11 that just makes a lot of sense with how their front front seven is I I, I, I still think there's teams that are in this this top 15 that are really going to value him but you know there, there's been a lot of instances like this where these top players they for some reason fall CD Lamb fell to 17 to the Cowboys he was a top five player for me Derwin James same deal fell to 17 to the Chargers. The NFL does some strange things, so I think if he falls to the Eagles, I would I would hope that they would take him. I I don't think they would, and that would create even a bigger problem. You think they'd pass on him at fifteen, Johnny? Mm, yes, I do. Yes, wow. I do. Yes, I do. That's I think good. they pass on him twice. To be honest, if they oh, have the opportunity, but uh, that's just yeah. That I just don't think they. Eagles are very into the valuation of positions in, in the top of the draft. Uh, occasionally, they come off that. I always tell the story about they really like Christian McCaffrey uh, back in 2017, was it? Yeah. Uh, and they, you know, typically are not even going to look at a running back uh, that high in the draft. They were 14. They would have taken Christian McCaffrey in a second. So it always comes down to the player, but I haven't gotten any inkling from the Eagles uh, about uh, safety. We're thinking about the safety position, certainly in the first round. We we do talk about defensive line here a lot, Russ, and and we we mentioned the edge rushers. So when you look at fifteen, my question to you is, how many are going to be gone of the top five in the top fourteen slots, and then defensive tackle? Other than the big kid from Georgia, anybody, Jordan Davis, anybody top 15 level there? We'll start with the edge rushers. I certainly think they'll be at least three off the board. You, you've got Hutchinson. You've got Kayvon. Jermaine Johnson will be in there. Um, 
outside of that, I don't I don't know if George Karloftis would go. David Ajaba would certainly be in the conversation if he didn't tear his Achilles. Um, but then when you go to the interior part of the defensive line, I think there's a chance that maybe Jordan Davis could be gone just simply because of how well he tested. It would be, you know, I think it would be tough for a team to, to pass on a player one that physical, <laughs> that big and, and that athletic uh, somewhere in that top 15. Um, but then, you know, that would essentially be four defensive linemen in, in total. I would I would probably say the outside chance of Devontae Wyatt, and maybe that would be somebody that the Eagles would just be interested in because Fletcher Cox is only back on that one-year deal. Maybe they would be interested in, in bringing in a guy like that to maybe develop um, under Cox and stuff like that. But overall, I, I would say four by the time we get to 15. I think there's certainly a chance of, of three. I know that for a fact, but four, I, I would roll the dice on four. All right, let's go to another position that the Eagles have an area of need. And they've shown the last couple of years and they're not afraid to draft there. One was a hit, one was a miss. I'm talking about wide receiver. They may very well go wide receiver in the first round for the third consecutive year. Uh, Seems like there's a group of five or six that are thought to be first round talents. There isn't one that stands out where you go, he's going to go off the board and then there'll be a drop off. They all seem to be bunched together. And different mock people have different orders of how these wide receivers are going to play in the National Football League. Run down your rankings of wide receivers. Who do you think's off the board before 14? Does the guy who's left as the highest wide receiver seem to fit for the Philadelphia Eagles for you? Yeah, between 11 through 21 on my board, there's five wide receivers. Um, so, you know, there's Drake London at, at number one as my top receiver. Chris Olave's there. Then it's Garrett Wilson, Jamison Williams back to back. And Jamison Williams would be higher on the board if he didn't tear the ACL. I think he'll be fine as a player, but realistically, I, I don't see him being the first receiver off the board. Maybe there's a chance, but I don't think so. And then Jahan Dotson is at 21. Uh, so those are my, my top five. Um, realistically, for the Eagles, I mean, I, I think that there's, I think there's a chance that if Chris Olave was there, they would be really interested with him, uh, just because of how well of a route runner and the, and the separation ability that he has. Um, obviously, the big playability of Drake London, you would love to have that for Jalen Hurts playing opposite of of Devontae Smith. You could kind of rotate the two in and out of the slot, but I think Drake London will be off the board. I think there's a chance Garrett Wilson will be off the board as well, just because. Garrett Wilson's a lot better of a route runner than given credit for kind of plays it like the point guard position, always trying to cross guys over doing those types of things, but he's also got tremendous body control. So, I mean, I think there's an outside chance of Chris Olave and then obviously Jamison Williams, if, if they'd be interested in taking a guy like that, just off the knee injury, obviously they've gone to the Alabama wide receiver. Well, before it's kind of worked out. So maybe they'll do it again. And then Jahan Dotson, maybe that's not the, the, the pick at 15, maybe it's more so at 19, but I, I think that's uh, somebody that would certainly be of interest of them just because one, he's, he's right down the road, but also it, it's somebody that I think is, is got the ability to, to, to win at all three areas, you know, all three levels of the field, but he's the best hands catcher of any receiver in the draft. Guy you left off your top five, who some other people have in that mix is Traylon Burks, the kid from Arkansas. What is it about him that doesn't get him into your top five? 
Yeah, he's he was just somebody like when I first watched him, I started falling in love. And then it's like, you know, it's like having that girlfriend, you know, the first month's great. You guys love each other. Things are really good. And then all of a sudden, as time goes on, she moves into your apartment. And you're like, man, I don't really like this anymore. She's in my <laughs> space. Uh, but no, he, he was just somebody that the more I watched, the more I was like, I, I like the player. But at the same time, I, I didn't. I, I just expected more. I love the versatility. I love that, you know, they used him in a variety of ways with split zone looks and have them coming in and out of the backfield with orbit motions and jet motions. I love seeing that stuff for a 6'2", 225 receiver, and I'm fine with the 45540. I'm good with all that stuff. I, I just I thought I could have expected more. You know, the route running isn't the same as guys like Olave and Dotson and even Garrett Wilson and stuff like that. And the big playability, you know, Drake London outperformed him by a mile when you talk about big plays and, and things like that. And from 50, 50 balls and just body control, I, I just, there was times where I just wasn't there. And it, do I think you can go in the first round? Absolutely. Is it truly, you know, pick your flavor out of those six receivers? Absolutely. But I think at the same time, you know, if I had to choose, those would be the five that I would take. And then just a little bit later, I would take Trey Lumbergs. All right, Ross, somebody's got to get those receivers to the, the football. And, you know, this quarterback class has been uh, debated by a lot of people and most look at it as a little bit underwhelming compared to an average year. You mentioned a little bit about Malik Willis, a little outside chance he might go number two overall. But I want to know how many quarterbacks you think are going to go in the first round of this draft and where this class as a whole is against other classes are people being a little bit too hard on it uh you think they got it right where are we with this quarterback class I, I think everybody's kind of in agreement that it's it's just not the same that we've seen over over time I mean we've kind of been spoiled in in previous years you know the the Baker Mayfield Josh Rosen Josh Allen group was a very good group for for a college group of, of quarterbacks sure not all of them have transitioned well to the NFL but I think you even look at last year, you know, we have Trevor Lawrence in the mix there. You've got Justin Fields there. Like we, we've been a little bit spoiled. You go back to, you know, that 20, what was 2013, 2014 draft where there was just, you know, bad quarterbacks. And that's just what it was, but they still went because you pay the premium for it. I think it's the same thing here. I think there is though the potential of guys like Kenny Pickett coming into the league, starting right away and doing okay. Guys like Malik Willis, who could be really bad, or really good. And I think that's what's ultimately going to get him drafted because you just you don't want to you don't want to be the team that misses out on him or passes on him to let somebody else go. So realistically, I think we could see three quarterbacks in the first round. I think Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett, we can lock them in. It's just a matter of kind of where they go. Uh, I've always said Kenny Pickett to Carolina makes a lot of sense. David Tepper, former Pitt grad, he obviously goes to Pitt. Matt Rule recruited him at Temple, then Matt Rule goes to Baylor, and he transfers over to Pitt uh, or commits to Pitt. So I think there's a lot of connecting the dots there. Again, Malik maybe at two, but still, I, I like Atlanta at eight if he ends up dropping that far. And then the, the outside quarterbacks, I, I think Desmond Ritter. I, I think you look at the Saints. I think that they, you know, with two picks now, I think there's a chance they take another quarterback. Um, and if they don't, maybe it's Pittsburgh. I just, I, I can't see Pittsburgh rolling into the season with Mitchell Trubisky and, and telling us, yeah, that's their guy. I just, I maybe a quarterback's a little rich, but Desmond Ritter would be the guy that if you could get that fifth year option, that would be the quarterback that makes the most sense out of this group for me. 
All right, Russ, as we said here uh, several weeks before the draft, we can look at who's got what picks and do some healthy projecting. The Eagles and the Saints got it kicked off about 10 days ago with a big deal. The Saints adding a first-round pick, Eagles getting a future first and another pick on top of it, and the juxtaposition of a couple uh, positions. Doesn't usually happen this far away from the draft, as big a deal as that was, but it did. And I know what the Eagles were looking to do to spread out their draft capital. I'm not sure what the Saints were doing. You want to give us some healthy speculation? Johnny just asked you about quarterback and the Saints re-signed Jameis Winston, but does that give them the quarterback of the future? What do you think the Saints were looking to do? Is it just that good a draft that they feel they needed that kind of capital? Or are they involved with a quarterback that's going to come off the board? We've debated this trade back and forth since it came down more so from the Eagles side. What do you think the Saints motive was? I, I think it's just about giving themselves some capital for this year uh, to very to, to kind of do what you're saying, looking at the quarterbacks in this draft and maybe seeing what, falls in a certain spot does a Malik Willis or a Kenny Pickett do they fall to 10 or 11 or 12 and is that a good enough jump for them to take both of those picks and move up and still get that quarterback I think that's very much so what they're looking at doing if they're not doing that I think they're just trying to put themselves in position for an offensive tackle and a wide receiver I mean we know they need wide receiver help Michael Thomas his days seem to be done and out of there they don't have a left tackle right now. Armstead signs with Miami, so they could very well be looking at a Trevor Penning out of Northern Iowa. Maybe there's an outside chance of Charles Cross falling um, in this draft. I know, you know, at the start of this thing, he was like a top 10 pick, but you're looking at mock drafts now, and he's not even in the first round. So I don't know if something came up, but I, I did know the New York Giants were very much linked to him during this process, but now I'm not seeing him mocked there. So I don't know. And that's, you know, that's from like the more well-connected Daniel Jeremiah's of the world. So I, I do wonder, is there something up with that? Um, but other than that, I mean, I, I don't know if they would go another position outside of quarterback, offensive tackle receiver. I think those are the most glaring needs. And again, I think they're just going to wait to see what quarterbacks potentially fall or are made available and then go from there. You know, it's interesting. You you bring up uh, DJ Russ, and we had Ben Solak, uh, Solak on from the ringer last week, and he mentioned something that made me chuckle. So I wanted to get your thoughts on it. He said, anytime you hear guys like, like DJ or Todd McShay or Mel Kuyper, they talk about uh, the depth of the draft. That means the top of the draft. That's code for the top of the draft isn't what it typically is. Mm-hmm. Do you think that way? Because we, we talked about Aiden Hutchinson, number one. He's not Miles Garrett. He's not the Boses. He's not Chase Young. Mm-hmm. Do you buy into that? Uh, maybe the top, the tippy top of the draft isn't as good as it normally is. Yes and no. I mean, I I, I struggle with that one because I, I, I like the top of this draft of the, of the edge rushers. But also, I, I like the depth of this draft as well. I think it is just overall, collectively, a very talented group. Um, I think when you look at a player like Arnold Abiketti out of out of Penn State, I think he's a first-round player. He's 18 or 19 on my board. I think he is that good of a player, um, and he's somebody that could very well be in the mix for a, a handful of teams in the top 20, top 25. But if you go to the second and third day of the draft, I mean, you look at Drake Jackson out of USC, very productive player, um, has uh, you know that basketball background as well I like him off the edge my Jay Sanders out of Cincinnati would be that player but he's just not there right now because his playing weight is all over you know one day he's playing 
at 240 and then he checks in the combine at like 224. It's like, I don't know what to do with you. So I, I think it's, uh, I think it's a very deep group. Uh, I didn't even get into like boy mafia out of Minnesota. Um, I, I like this group overall. It's, it's Ben's a, Ben's awesome. Ben, Ben makes a great point there. Um, but I realistically, I think the top of this draft is, is relatively good at edge rusher. And I think you can, again, find some, some steals later, later on as well. All right, Russ, last one for me, and we're going positionally again because the Eagles may very well take a a cornerback with one of their first two picks. They need uh, to fill in the starter role with the fact that they haven't re-signed Steven Nelson. They could use to get younger at that position anyway. Um, Sauce Gardner seems to be going somewhere in the top ten, maybe as high as number four. I know Eagle fans just love him. I don't know if it's a nickname. Well, they really did watch every Cincinnati game this year. (laughs) I find that hard to believe. Um, but uh, he, he is probably not going to be available to them. But other than that, I think that any of the corners could come down to number 14. Stingley is uh, higher ranked than some, not so high in others. Uh, certainly uh, Trent McDuffie could be a guy available to him. Andrew Booth is another one that has uh, been potentially thought to be a mid-first-round pick. Give us your if, if do you agree that Gardner is number one and probably is not going to be in there in the middle of the first round? And then give us your evaluations and rankings of the other corners who may be there for the birds. Yeah, Sauce Gardner is number one on my board. I certainly got lost in the sauce when watching him, but I also watched him when he was playing in high school. He played at Detroit King right down the road. So I, I went to two of his games. I watched him before he even you know, committed anywhere in high or college. So, uh, he, he's always kind of had that. And I don't want to say it factor, but he just, there was something about him. He was different on the field. You knew he was one of the better players every single time. So I, I don't think he'll be there. I'd be stunned if he wasn't a top 10 pick outside of that. You mentioned Derek Stingley. I think he's a top 15 player in this draft. He would be higher if he played more football over the last two years, he's only played in 10 games, um, over the last two seasons. And, and that's a little concerning when you, when you look at the number of games that a team like LSU has played over time, but you, you watch his true freshman season and you just hope I can get a guy like that with the ball skills and, and how well he plays through the catch point and just his overall athletic ability. It showed at his pro day. So I think there's a chance that, you know, he could be already off the board, maybe, you know, at 12 or 13, maybe something like that. He could certainly be there, but I, I like Trent McDuffie quite a bit. I think he would be somebody that I would, I would be looking at if I'm the Eagles, um, you know, 5'11, 193. He has shorter arms. That's a little bit of a concern for some people, but you know, former, former four-star recruit, really great overall athletic ability. He's able to run in the hip pocket of receivers as they run their crossing patterns um, across the field. I, I don't remember a time that I've really seen a corner do that as consistently as he does. I like the way he attacks downhill. So I, I like McDuffie in that regard. And then just, you know, another cornerback, you mentioned um, Andrew Booth, but I, I'm going to go away from that for a minute and I'm going to go Roger McCreary out of Auburn. I, I think he's more of a nickel but he's very fluid, he's very aggressive, and he's very physical at the catch point. So I, I think the way he's able to start and stop, you know, maybe that top 20 is a little rich, so maybe trading back and you can get him, or maybe it's somebody you look at somewhere on day two and maybe you move up and, and try to get him. But Roger McCreary out of Auburn is somebody that I think is going to transition and be a solid pro, whether it's outside at times, but more so in the slot. All right, kind of finish up off the beaten path, Russ. Follow uh, Russell Brown at Russ NFL Draft, cover1.net. If you're in Detroit, uh, Woodward Sports um, yeah. in the Detroit area, I need a punter, Russ. How, how, <laughs> how early 
is Matt Areza going to go in the NFL draft? I could see fourth or fifth round if I'm being honest, just because that lay, I mean, he's booting them like 70 yards consistently. Wow, I, gotta go third round. <laughs> I want to see a third round punter. I, you know, when we finish this up, I am going to go to DraftKings and see if he's got a draft position on there yet. And if, if he does, I might, I might take you on that. So we'll, we'll see, but yeah, I mean, he'll probably be the first one off the board. He might be the only one drafted to be completely honest, but yeah, he, he can, uh, he can certainly boot it. And I, I know some people that say, you know, if you got three or four picks in the first round or in the top 50, you might as well roll the dice on this guy. Cause he can flip the field for you. And that's a benefit, but uh, I don't believe that. <laughs> we'll see if it plays out that way. Punter going in at the Johnny's rooting day two. This kid was a monster. <laughs> I'm, I'm with him on that. Russ, great yeah. stuff. We appreciate you coming on. We'll probably invite you back after the draft. This happened. We appreciate the preview. We'll take you on the flip side with the review. Thanks for jumping on board, bud. Thanks guys. Take care. Russ Brown from uh, CoverOne.net giving us his draft insight. Uh, And he's not the first one to to mention McCreary, J-Mac, the quarterback from uh, Auburn. Yeah, Um, Not going to be a first-round pick. Probably not. I should never say never. Um, But a high second-round pick, uh, how he loves to play the draft game, moving in, moving out. If they don't like the cornerback that's left, if you go two different positions, and I could go D-line, wide receiver, uh, all right, uh, probably not safety and or linebacker because that's not their purview, but they may go uh, with an offensive lineman. You never know if they don't get a corner in the first round. They may need to get aggressive in the second round. Yeah. A guy like McCreary who uh, may go before where they're slotted to go in the second round could be someone they really take a look at. All right, John McMullen, Jody McDonald, you're back on back, guys. Aaron Birds, 3-6-5, come back. we got some more Eagles stuff to break down. And then Chris Franklin, our buddy from NJ.com, is going to join us in hour number two. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian in my heart. I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365. We still got an hour to play. As a matter of fact, uh, Chris Franklin from NJ.com is going to join us coming up in about 20 minutes. I did see this over the weekend with the Birds as well. Uh, the new additions, the Philadelphia Eagle free agent signings, have been assigned numbers for the upcoming 2022 season. <laughs> and number 11 is going to be yeah. worn this year. We went one year without anyone wearing the number 11, which, of course, was one, uh, worn by their former quarterback, who uh, has got himself a new team as well after going to Indianapolis. Is he going back now, to 11 there, by the way? Do we know? I, I heard don't rumblings. know his number is going to be with the uh, commanders. Um, but it took him all of one year to take number 11 out of mothballs for the Eagles this year, and it will be worn by Zach Paschal. The Eagles' number three wide receiver as of right now. We'll see if that changes uh, over the rest of free agency and leading into the draft. Uh, I got to tell you this one, Johnny Mac, because a couple of weeks ago we talked about the return of Kelly Green for the Philadelphia Eagles. And I was pretty pumped up about it. I think it's cool. I like the color. It does bring you back to yesteryear of Randall Cunningham and Reggie White and the like. Your take was you don't give wit one about it. The colors are completely irrelevant to you. You know, That's, you you told me a story real quick about Ruben. You had Ruben Frank on. Said the same thing. WIP. Same exact thing. But Ruben, the what you told me is Ruben will watch a game, and if you ask him thirty minutes later what were they wearing, he wouldn't know. I'm wouldn't the same the way. I have no stink. I I it, it. That's how little. I love the way he described it. That's how little it matters to me. You guys were on the exact same page on that one. I've become that with numbers. When yeah. I was a kid, and when I say kid, I do mean literally 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. By high school, I started to wane at my advanced age now. Numbers are completely irrelevant to me. Yeah, I don't care what number. Of, I care about the color. Yeah, I like Kelly Green. But the whole number thing. If you're good enough to have your number retire, which means you've got to be like borderline all time great, then I think that's respect an organization can and should give you. There's a lot of fun for sports talk radio and the like when you have should a guy's number be retired. If you're not good enough to be in that combination uh, conversation, who the hell cares what number you wear? Yeah, I, I saw a lot of social media the response yeah. that, oh, they're giving away Carson Wentz's number. It's not Carson's Wentz's number. No. Somebody wore it before Carson. Carson wore it. Now Zach Pascal's going to wear it. Who the hell cares? Yeah. You lease that thing. Yeah. It's not yours unless, you know. And even that, I remember 
you'll remember this name, Jody. But uh, you know, certain organizations, even there, there are a number of organizations that if they retire a number, it means something. There are other organizations, and for me, the tipping point was a player by the name of Bingo Smith. Long before the Cleveland Cavaliers were, you know, they were a bad team for a really, really long time before LeBron got there. And their retirement numbers like Bingo Smith was a nice player. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, he's not an all-time great, but you got to retire somebody's number when you're that hard for that long. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And it becomes less than meaningful. Um, you know, another organ, I think the Eagles have only uh, retired pretty significant numbers, so I give them credit for that. Uh, but for the most part, you're you're right though. I mean, there's this weird, like you can't get Malcolm Jenkins. You can't give away his number. You got to wait a couple of years. You're not going to retire. But well, no, if you're 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 not going to retire somebody's number, it goes back in the bin. Right, right. Just turn it over. Just turn it over. You and I see it the exact same way. I only have one question for you. How the hell do you even know that Bingo Smith's number is retired? Uh, How would you know I that? Used to, I used to cover the NBA, and I just happened to get in a wormhole one day, and yeah, they retired his number. I remember Bingo Smith. You're right. He was a good player. Good Not player. even a very good player. Forget about great number. you got to be an all-time player to get your number retired. How the hell is Bingo Smith's number retired? They had nobody else at the time. This was long before uh, the LeBron James era, so, you know. When yeah, they're James guy. They could retire his number. That yeah, would be okay. That's fine. Um, that's fine. Two, two numbers, those who by the way. Don't understand the business of sports. There's a really simple reason why they do something like that. On the given night that you're going to retire his number, you actually believe you're going to get a couple hundred extra people into the win arena and you're going <laughs> to sell some tickets yeah. to sell off your organizational's history. For a couple extra hundred tickets for a bad organization, you know what that tells you? It's a bad organization. You got bigger problems than retiring numbers. Yeah. Uh, they at least got lucky and got the Got a pop a crowd. You're right, Jody. Monica got a pop a crowd. Just ridiculous. Um, I do feel the need to mention this uh, today. And it was as much of a downer over the weekend as, as anything that happened in the world of sports. Um we lost a very young man well before his time. Dwayne Haskins, former number one pick out of Ohio State, went to Washington. Uh, the Eagles competed against him and did quite well. Thank you very much. Haskins thrown into the fray, wasn't ready to be a quarterback in the NFL. Um, it got so bad in Washington to the point that they moved away from him or released him. And he ended up hooking on with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And this weekend he was down in the state of Florida 
working out with teammates and his competition at quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers, Mitch Trubisky, who put the workouts together and brought his fellow quarterback in, which tells you Trubisky was ready for the competition, wasn't trying to bigfoot anybody. Uh, and for some reason, he, he was out on a interstate highway in Florida and was attempting to cross the highway and was hit by a dumb truck and lost his life at the age of 24 years old. Um, his NFL career was short-lived and it was not as good as it was expected to be when he was a mid-first-round pick. Uh, but this is just a tragedy that you lose a young man as early in his life and his, certainly in his career and in life in general at the age of 24, it just, it brings us all back down to earth as sports fans, football fans and the like. Uh, sometimes we ask tough questions and we get on players' cases because they don't live up to expectations, but they're human beings just like the rest of us. And this kind of tragedy yeah. can befall anybody. Yeah. And too many people, um, put too much emphasis on football and, you know, the passion of football and forget, you know, I talk to players all the time, obviously, and they forget that they're human beings and they have the same problems. Um, everybody else has, and you know, that they're, they're in the public eye and they get paid a lot of money. Uh, and, and things come along with that. I, you know, when, when something like this happens and, I hope it's the case because, you know, people, they haven't uh, obviously confirmed it. I, I I was told he ran out of gas. I hope that's the case and it's that simple and obviously something uh, tragic happened. But um, as for, you know, some people are given scouting reports of Dwayne Haskins when he loses his life. I mean, at some point you got to turn it off. Football doesn't matter in that type of situation. And the and the and the one thing about Dwayne Haskins that everybody said, and you saw the outpouring, you know, so many people so upset. You know, Chase Claypool's out there crying. Um, got along with everybody. I mean, everybody liked the kid. Everybody thought he was just such a a great person. He admitted in the past, you know, he didn't handle the pressure of being a first round pick maybe the way he should have at at certain times. But he's 24. He, he, he passed away at 24. I was a knucklehead when I was in my early 20s, Jody. I mean, I don't understand why people expect every single kid to be this, you know, 35-year-old savvy veteran. I mean, they're all finding their ways in life just like anybody else. And once somebody that young passes away, I don't, I don't want to hear about his football resume. He was, first of all, if you make it to the NFL, you're better than 99% of the people uh, that have ever played the game. Uh, so that's one, you know, check mark. And it's just not relevant. I mean, at some point, you got to realize uh, it's not that important. And that tragedy is the only word to describe it. And, you know, all you can do is is pray for his family and friends, but I, it, it was so untoward, and I don't want to pick on people, but it's just, you know, I don't care what what he did in the NFL. You know, kid yeah. lost his life, and it's terrible. Uh, I, I think we need – I'm going to come to the defense and also uh, pile on, on the football fans. Um, 
a 24-year-old, 23-year-old, 22-year-old, when a young man comes into the National Football League and has had a great college career and he is picked very highly in the NFL draft and expectations are high, I think football fans have the right to critique his ability to play the game. Sure. That if your team is going to invest a draft pick on him, you're a fan of the team, you're going to give the guy responsibility, you're going to put him out there. You are certainly allowed to. You don't have to cut him slack because he's only 21 or 22 years of age. Some players come right in and are that good at that age. It's amazing that they're capable of doing it, but they can do it. It's the personal attacks that get the annoyance level on me, that they they attack his character and or something about him that they don't like, and they just don't keep it to a football critique that they, they expand their – that's where you have to take in the young man's age and say, yeah, but he's only 21. All right, so if he's not as focused as an eight-year NFL veteran, if he's still looking to enjoy life and he's not as dedicated, that, that, that's not for you to decide. You need to keep your characterization and critique to what he does on the football field because you never know when something like this is going to happen. young man lost his life at the age of 24. And for any of those who critiqued his uh, ability to uh, focus on his job or the type of uh, work ethic that he had, you don't know it. You're not around the team. You're not there every single day. Yeah. And that's, and that's right. You know, and that, that's what we do. There's nothing wrong with with uh, criticizing people. And they understand. The players understand, you know, the football Most part of, of it. There, there's Most some do. that get their, their hackles yeah. up pretty fast. But even so, if you want to take it to, to a local level, um, you know, Jalen Rager's a young player who gets, you know, pretty criticized pretty regularly by me, by you, by everybody on the field. But then there's the other part, the personal attacks, which I don't agree with. You know, he's a good kid. Um, hasn't worked out for him here. Uh, ultimately, I think he'll get a second chance somewhere else. I'm on, on record, I don't think he's going to be here after the draft. But just because he failed as a first-round pick doesn't make him a terrible human being. He's trying, just like everybody else is trying. The Eagles are trying. Sometimes these things don't work out. And it's fair game to criticize a football player for football. It's very fair game. Um, yeah, you you probably stated it better than I did, so I appreciate it. It's the other stuff that bothers me, the personal attacks, um, which is just and, – and, and then after somebody loses – it bothers me on a, on a normal level, on a day-to-day -day level. When somebody loses their life and you're still talking about – Personal attacks, that that is that's over the top. Don't understand it. And uh, we heard birds 365. I don't know if any of his family or friends or football fan who happened to find the show or turn into them. But anyone who's had any kind of uh, relationship, be it as a former teammate or a former student at Ohio State or even a commander's fan who may have thought the commanders moved off him too quickly uh it's just a tragedy there's no other way to describe it when a young man of 24 years of age uh as an nfl player loses his life in any walk of life it's a tragedy but this is uh, very specific to us here on birds 365 because we talk football day in and day out um again our condolences to his family his friends anyone who knew him anyone who was around him and you're right john 
his teammates came out and it it's expected and uh, I'm not doubting any of them. I don't think any of them would put untruths out there, but everybody is going to emphasize the positive. But it was to me telling that it was almost universal across the board. They all came up with the same sentiment. I don't think there was a meeting, a conference call. No. Here's what we need to say about uh, Dwayne Haskins. No, they were all honest when they put their tweets out on, into the social media world. They was just a fun-loving kid that everybody who was around him enjoyed being with them. And he always came in with a smile on his face and had a positive attitude. Uh, the fact that across the board, that seemed to be the sentiment tells you about the kind of young man that we lost. Yeah, it does. And it's one of those things. It's going to be difficult for everybody and sort of the extended world of, of Dwayne Haskins from Ohio state. You mentioned Washington to right now in Pittsburgh and everybody you know, I know Quincy Avery, you know, Jalen Hurts is a quarterback coach and Deshaun Watson's quarterback coach. He had mentioned, you know, Dwayne was leaving to go work out with him. Uh, that's where he was going, um, unfortunately, when he passed. So that was his next stop. And um, it's going to be difficult for that entire community that grew to know him. And I, I do think you know, once he failed in Washington, he was sort of on the back burner as far as NFL fans. And, you know, understandably so, but it doesn't change the relationships. And that's that's the bigger part of it. And, and the relationships were still there. And especially you saw all his teammates at Ohio State just talking about, you know, what you just said, what a what a good person he was, what a good leader, how he lifted everybody up. And, you know, that's part of the reason probably he became a first round pick and, you know, maybe he didn't play enough. We talked about, which is Russ Brown about, you know, just a, a normal um, evaluation of a player coming out in this draft. And he mentioned, you know, Aiden Hutchinson versus Trayvon Walker, you know, one's played a lot, one hasn't, and maybe he didn't play it enough to, to hit the ground running. Maybe there would have been a second chapter to his story. Maybe he would have gotten an opportunity and maybe turned it around. And that's the tragedy of it all. You're never going to know that. He was 24 years old. He could have he could have recovered. You know, if there's an injury in Pittsburgh, he could have been in there and he could have and he could have played and he could have it's just it's just terrible. It really is. And as I stated before, when I first heard this news, I just couldn't believe it. It's so funny how the world has changed. You and I have been doing this for long enough that uh, you you got this on Sports Center or something like that. But now the information is so immediate that you find out on social media, on, on the Internet, however you find out. And you immediately go somewhere else to see if there's more information on, on what happened. It just gives you the right to pause. And take a deep breath and go, man, sometimes we take sports too seriously. Oh, yeah. We love our teams. We want to be fans. It's a great escape. We're all, anybody who's watching this show right here, right now, is a huge football fan. And they live, sleep, eat, breathe football, and they love their birds. But there are other aspects to life that you got to remember from time to time when you're getting mad, when you're getting critical, when you're going down the road of potential personal attacks. They're human beings, just like you and me. 
and tragedy happens in their lives and it happens in the lives of players and teams and the like. So uh, when you next want to get really annoyed about what's happened with your team in your sport, you're a fan of, just remember you're going to take a shot at someone's child and potentially somebody's dad. Uh, not the case with Dwayne Haskins because he was only 24 years old, but you get the point I'm trying to make. Uh, it brings you back yeah. down to earth, and I yeah. think we all need that from time to time. I remember when Kobe passed away. That one hit me kind of hard. You know, I, I've met him two or three times in my life, and you know, by no means were we close. But you think about a larger-than-life figure uh, like that, just going about and it, it, you know his daily routine, which is different from everybody else. Cause not many of us could take our kids with a helicopter to basketball practice. But for him, you know, it was just going about his daily routine and the same thing with Wayne. He's going about his daily routine and just bang. Um, and that's it. And yeah, I mean, it puts in a perspective and look, we do this for a living. Sports are very important to us. Uh, and, you know, I, try to take it more seriously than uh, I think most people as far as evaluation of, of, of the sport and the players and the teams. Um, but at the end of the day, yeah, it doesn't matter. I mean, you know, there are far bigger things in life. It is an escape. That's what it is. It's entertainment. It's an escape. It, it is. And when good things happen, like the Eagles win the Super Bowl, you know, the whole city and the whole community can get behind it and have a nice moment. And that's what it is. But that's all it is. You got to go back to your real life the next day and you got to put it in its place. You got to put it in its perspective. Sometimes reality smacks us upside the head and we have to deal with it. And that was the case this weekend with the tragic loss of Dwayne Haskins. All right, Mac and Mac guys, John McMullen, Jody McDonald. Still got 40 minutes left to talk some football today. Our condolences to all the family, friends of Dwayne Haskins and those who got a chance to know him and interact with him. Um, but Dwayne knows, like we know, life goes on for those of us who are still here. Uh, so we'll continue talking about birds football. Our buddy Chris Franklin from NJ.com scheduled to join us. He's next here on Birds 365. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right. Just by talking with Brian in my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. 
Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. of life first trust bank is there for you because philadelphia dreams deserve a philadelphia bank go for the midnight dares go for the memories go for the view that goes on forever go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink go to bed whenever you want or don't go for him Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. You got your Mac and Mac guys. That would be John McMullen and Jody McDonald. Hoping to hear from Chris Franklin from NJ.com. Uh, scheduled to join us here as an off the board yet, uh, but hopefully uh, we get him up before the uh, show comes and goes. Um, John, no movement on the free agent end other than the Eagles signing a college wide receiver who hasn't played college ball in six years. Well, he's won a couple of uh, U.S. championships at 110 meter hurdles and competed in the Olympics twice, but you hadn't caught a football in six years. Mm-hmm. So we don't believe the Eagles have upgraded at wide receiver, but you're throwing a dart at a wall and you're hoping blindfolded to be able to hit the middle of the target. Maybe they will. You never know. Um, but there are still some veteran wide receivers that are out there on the free agent market. Have you heard any new news on Jarvis Landry? The last I heard was he was expecting, asking, looking for a $20 million uh, pay hit this year, which I like Jarvis Landry. I think Jarvis Landry would look real good in an Eagle uniform, even better than Devonta Parker, who I wanted to see the Eagles be more aggressive and go after. And I think they could have gotten him and should have gotten him. They didn't. Uh, I know that that's an outrageous number and he's trying to glom on to what the top flight wide receivers got this year in contract reconstructions. He's not that type of a player, but he's still a damn good player. Have you any heard anything on Jarvis Landry team interest? Yeah. He's got to come down off that number, but uh, yeah, not since that number. And I'm trying to, uh, I'm trying to get Chris here too, as I'm saying this, so bear with me, but uh uh, not since that number, and obviously, yeah, he's got to he's got to come down, and it's going to be interesting. You know, it's always difficult. There's a guy who, you know, has had a lot of success uh, in the league, and in a, a lot of volume, a lot of uh, receptions over the years, and thinks about himself in a certain way. Um, and sometimes, you know, that's difficult. I talk all the time about how it's difficult for players to you know, say, all right, I'm in a different stage of my career. Maybe I'm not uh, what I was at some point. And until they come off that, it's going to be difficult to to um, 
to get in a situation, but obviously the Eagles are not going to be in the range of what he wanted. So, I mean, it becomes down very similar to what we talked about with Honey Badger. It becomes down um, to a to a decent number. Uh, maybe it enters the conversation. Where I'm a little bit different, though, on those two particular players, as you know, Jody, I've been from the start of this. You know, I think it's different for receivers who, if they have other options, they're going to go where they get the football. I forget who said it. Maybe you remember, but I thought it was a great um, description of the position. It's the most selfish position in sports. They want the football. And the, if there's going to be a situation where they can get the football, every obviously money always comes first. So if you offer the most money, you got a good chance. But when it comes to receivers, they need they need the football. They do. And if you believe that the Philadelphia Eagles this year are going to run the same exact offense that they did last year, and you're a wide receiver who's not going to be getting a Tyreek Hill or Devontae Adams type deal, where the numbers that you put up this year will reflect the kind of money you're going to get paid next year, I can see where wide receivers would at least question the Philadelphia Eagles. And so let me ask the question this way, because I think your point is, is accurate, but I think it's in some people's minds, potentially wide receivers and the like written in stone. Should the Eagles be trying to change the narrative around their team? Should they be making the coach available and having them come out and say, we had the success we had last year, but next year we're looking to throw the football more. He certainly talked about that at the NFL meeting. Are they not hammering that point home enough for general intake around the National Football League, specifically targeting free agent wide receivers? Have they not made that well enough known that in a perfect Eagle world, they would like to throw the ball more than they did this past year? Well, let's bring in Chris Franklin, and maybe he can help us answer that question. There we go. There hey, he is. guys. How y'all doing? Chris Franklin, NJ.com. Good to see you, Chris. Good to see you, too. Uh, Sorry about that. See Franklin News. Follow him on Twitter. Jody and I were just discussing receivers, and uh, we know what we've been through. We have a 110-meter Olympian hurdle. <laughs> So, but I don't think that's what they want to do to improve. So we're talking about, and Jody was mentioning, do the Eagles need need to do a better job explaining to veteran receivers that they're going to get the football more if they come here? Is there sort of this disconnect with some of these receivers thinking, I don't want to go there. I'm not going to get the football. Uh, and do you think they need a, to do a better sell job? I think so, because when you look at the guys, like when you've come out and say, yeah, we got guys like Devonta and Dallas, and we want to make sure we get them their touches, 100, 100 plus targets a season. And, oh, yeah, by the way, we'll, we'll feed you some crumb, crumbs. Uh, be going to be happy with that. Because over time, you just start to think like, nah, that's, I'll, I'll go elsewhere and maybe get some more targets. I think that either they have to either, if that's your true thinking, I think that's a little concerning. I know Smith can get in. I know Dallas is really good, but if he can get a, top tier wide receiver okay yeah that that works out and I think the only way they're going to be able to get somebody like that now is trade because at least by then say hey we got your rights either you come on the field and you play or hey, sorry you're out so they, they have to do that a better job with that trade and or draft and they have two True. first round yeah. draft picks and 
We all kind of believe they'll be targeting a wide receiver with one of those two first-round picks, even though it'll be the third consecutive year they've taken a wide receiver in the first round with mixed results. I don't know that we've asked you this. Uh, The top wide receivers in the draft, give us your rankings. Assume that all are left on the board when the Eagle pick. That's probably Mm. not happening, but just uh, (laughs) hypothetically. Uh, Give us the way you rank them. Who you think will be on the board? Who you think they'll be there for the Eagles to choose? And which way you think they're leaning? I, I, I Drake London, I think is really is for me. I think he really is a top for me for basically what the fit this team needs. Because when you look at his size, and I know everybody keeps saying, "Oh, it's JJ Arcega, white side incarnate." Oh, it happened in the second version. I think he's still all right. I think he can still be that guy, that X receiver. And then I look at Garrett Wilson. I think he does really well. I think he could be really good in this offense and, and be that speed guy that you hope Jalen Rager would have been, but <laughs> we saw it happen there. And then you have, I think, looking after that, uh, Traylon Burks for me, then followed by Chris Olave. I think those guys. But the one guy, I think Sky Moore, I really, I'm really high. If they don't pick one, I see for me, I think they're, I don't, I don't think they use the first two on a wide receiver. I think they go in like second or third round. I, I really think they're certain rail for like a Sky Moore or somebody else around there, and, and hopefully not Christian Watson because we've seen what happened with North Dakota North Dakota guys. But you never know. I, I really think they. I, I, I'd really, really look at a Garrett Wilson or or, uh, or Drake London. Is that because of Devin Allen? They don't have to go in the first round. <laughs> you, you know, when when it comes to guys like that, you think like, hey, you know what? I think this is a person right here. No, see, the only thing I can see him being is like a kick returner because. They need a kick returner. That's a good point. They need a kick returner. They need a punt returner. They need special teams help. They were bad on special teams. But before we get on on that track, they do. You mentioned Jalen Rager, Chris. Mm -hmm. I want your percentage. It's May first. Percentage Jalen Rager's on the Philadelphia Eagles May first after the draft. Twenty five, and that's being kind. I really think looking at a lot of these moves that they made right now with and the talk of the receivers and the way this room is shaping out to be, if you can't consistently catch the ball, if you can't consistently run the right routes, okay, he's gone. You can't do that. If you're fumbling, if you can't really handle punt reach punts and you're constantly bobbling that, then you start to question like, okay, what do you bring to the team? And if you can't do both of those and the way this roster currently is con- constructed, I, I just don't see him on here for long, long term. I, don't, I think, I don't think he makes it out of training camp. All right, uh, Devin Allen. You know who he reminds me of? Who I thought of today? Jeremy I Bloom. thought of him in 10 Carlos. years. Who, Jeremy who, Bloom. Jeremy Bloom. Uh. Jeremy Bloom. The last time the Philadelphia Eagles went wide receiver on an Olympic star. And, oh, by the way, I'll take a, a track and field guy over a skier every day of the week. Um, but, yeah, they, and, and Bloom wasn't terrible. They did use a draft pick on him and didn't get a lot. I would call him uh, a mediocre success at best, but he was a failure and they're risking even that much less, but uh, rolling the dice with former Olympics, I'm not sure about. And oh, by the way, I would call uh, London at worst. Uh, you a little disrespectful there, Mr. Franklin, calling him the next J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. No, he's <laughs> he's the combination of J.J. Arcega-Whiteside and Nelson Aguilar, because you got to take in consideration USC. So if you take a USC player with a big player who can block and yeah. doesn't necessarily catch, oh, that's yeah. what you may have. If you take, wait, I think, you know, 
I'm not sure, but failure plus failure probably oh, equals failure. I learned that, you know, I I learned in math, you know, if you take two things, you cancel them out, it actually makes a positive. So maybe that's that new math. I can't I can't do the new math. Thanks for smacking in. You helped yeah. me out when it came to math. It came in handy here. <laughs> yeah. I definitely can't do the new math. But I don't that we haven't talked to you since the big trade. Uh, and I give Howie Roseman credit from a valuation standpoint, as they always say. Obviously, you look at any trade chart, he got the best of Mickey Loomis by a significant degree. Now, ultimately, you got to turn it into players. But just the philosophy, the sentiment of the trade, the kick in the can to get another pick in, in 2023, uh, what does it tell you about this team right now and where they are specifically let's let's be blunt at the quarterback position with Jalen Hurts what does it tell you that trade I think that trade tells me that as much as they keep saying that they believe in them they really truly don't and I disagree with that sentiment I thought that they I, I understand why they did it I understand that they needed to get more pieces to possibly trade for another quarterback next year. I, I get that. But when you finally have a guy who's being in the same system for two straight years in a row now, you got a guy who's shown that he can improve a little bit more. I, I'd probably talk a little, little bit of belief, belief in that way too, but I think they this is more just to help them out. I think the for I know it's a smaller move, especially with that, I think it helps a little bit with the salary cap. I think they were trying to hope to sign somebody else a little bit more, but not having to pay another first round draft pick and get to defer that to next year i think that was a little boost but <laughs> we've seen what's going on with the free agent market so that's that's not really doing but yeah that's not really helping out right now all right chris i'm sending this question your way but johnny if you want to jump in and answer it as well uh, appreciate it the eagles lost a couple of key front office personnel during this offseason guys that have gone elsewhere to become assistant general managers to my knowledge they have not hired anyone to replace either of these two guys. Now, the Eagles have a pretty good front office staff to begin with. John and I have uh, kind of poked some fun at the Bengals during this year, the Super Bowl uh, competing Bengals, and the size of their staff as compared to someone like the Eagles. So I'm not saying the Eagles are woefully undermanned, but I don't know that they've used anybody to replace those guys. And if they haven't, then the dynamic come draft time changes that they always tell us about the collaborative effort that it is. And a lot of people's opinions are sought. And then a decision is made draft day. It's Howie's final call, but he leans on a lot of people from, for that information. As far as you can tell, Chris, your sources, how things are working as we're now less than three weeks away from the draft. Are the Eagles missing those two individuals that left to go elsewhere uh, and is there a different dynamic in this upcoming Google draft this year because of it? From what I've heard a couple weeks ago that it's they basically haven't replaced those guys truly in, in full and earnest and that Roseman's had to take a little bit more of the onus of himself. But I think when it comes to that as well, too, that's why I th that's why one reason why they put that proposal on the table, and they joined the three other teams such as the Bills and Ravens to not have everybody to basically raid them. I think when it comes, you look at this now, I think, of all times, it's the last time, it's the last moment you possibly want that having all these first round picks. And when you lose Ian Cunningham and you lose Brandon Brown, guys who knew what the way the organization run, you know, the philosophy was who started to know what these coaches wanted to, and you lose them now 
you lost him two months before the draft was supposed to happen, that that does impact you. That's that's a lot of knowledge that to a lot of resources that went into them. And when you look at the future, I think it, the onus is going to be more on Roseman. I think I th- there'll still be that collaboration. You'll still hear Sirianni, still hear Gannon, still hear Steichen. All these, but to all these guys will still have a say in what the guys they want. And when it, the draft room ultimately falls on Howie, but it, I think it's going to affect them. I think these guys were really, really good. In my opinion, they were good talent evaluators, especially in the scout eight. They came from the college scouting department as well. Today, so they really focused on that too. But I. I, a lot of that work was done during the season, so they have some of the notes. But I think when it comes down to it, that might be it, – it's going to wind up being – I think it's going to be a huge loss for them, especially one that's going in within the divisions, the Giants. Yeah, and Howie was upset about that one specifically because it was obviously a division rival, and that's Brandon Brown. But let, let's stay off the field, and since it's landscaping season, I can't get these mowers uh, slowly. <laughs> but um, – I, I, you know, because a number of teams uh, started their offseason work today, Chris. Uh, some started last week. Uh, this is, these are only teams with new coaches that can start this early. But the Eagles could start April 25th, uh, April 18th. They are starting April 25th. They're not having a mandatory minicamp. They're one of two teams in the entire NFL not having a mandatory minicamp, along with those Cincinnati Bengals, Jody. Um, what the heck is going on here? Why why, why, why do the Eagles, do they think it works so well in the pandemic era? Um, you don't have a lot of time with these players to begin with. Why are the Eagles intent on lessening that time? When I hear like they don't have a mandatory, to me it's like that Catherine Hahn gif, you know, what they do from a WandaVision with a little winking on, hey, you're not going to that one. Yeah, I think it's one of those things like it's not mandatory, mandatory. But I think it's one of those things where Nick is still trying. I think he probably listened to the veterans. I think when you look at old what happened last year when it came to minicamps, the way they worked it out because they didn't want to come in. And it was like, hey, you know what? They worked it out. I think he wants to keep that open. Like, hey, you know what? I don't want to force you guys to come in here. But I think you'll eventually you'll probably see everybody. I think you'll see close to everybody there, especially from I know if, I know a few people are going to be there. Uh, say they're going to be there as well too. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see a, nearly a, a lot of people there at, at the at the actual uh, mini camps, even though they're not mandatory. Because oh, I agree. I, they, I they're going to have close to a hundred percent at voluntary. But I mean, it, it, you know, is this? You know, if you ask the players, they're going to say, "Well, we don't need that." And to be honest, look. The Jason Kelsey's and the Fletcher Cox of the world, Ling Johnson, they don't need it. They don't no. need that nonsense. I talk about it all the time. But it's pretty meaningful for the young players who aren't even here yet. The guys that are going to draft, the undrafted free agents. At some point, you, you got to stand up to the veteran players and say, all right, you know, you got to come in for three days. I'm sorry, but you got to come in. I mean, Nick's a nice guy, but sometimes can't be the player's friends got to be their boss three days is three days and if they're not going to come in for voluntary work because they got to show up for three days in june maybe you're not building the right program if that's the case is that where we are i don't think so i think it's one of the things i think if you're if you're changing the whole defensive system now i think it's going to be key just all of a sudden you see all the defensive guys there and it's a weekly manager i think that's when you'll start to see maybe hey maybe there's something here where 
they may be tweaking the defense a little bit more, and that's when it's quote a mandatory. Like we're not calling a mandatory, but you better dag on know well know that he's texting them. Well, I say show up here, or we'll start to look to replace you. I, th- I see one of those things happening, but I think overall, I think everybody knows what their job is, and I think everybody knows what they have to do. So in this, especially in this day and age, I, if it was about like ten years ago. I think we see this more and more, but I think more and more teams, I wouldn't be surprised to see the following year, we see more and more teams not call it mandatory. We're going more towards that because everybody, to, it, for better or for worse, everybody's more lax about this stuff now and say, hey, you know what, we're just going to worry about really being physical around toward the late later end of training camp and more into the season as opposed to putting extra stress throughout the season now. See, Franklin, something we talk about a lot here on the show, and we should because it uh, is part of an offseason in the National Football League, is leverage. The players always think they have leverage. The teams always think they have leverage. It's finding that middle spot where your belief in leverage meets the team's belief in leverage. We're in a unique position right now two weeks before the draft where both probably think they've got the leverage. The players think, well, they want a given. I'm a given. They don't have to worry about the draft if they sign me. And the teams are thinking, oh, yeah, you're not going to take our offer? You realize how many draft picks we have, right? We're going to get a younger, cheaper guy in here, and you're going to turn down our offer. Who really is in the better leverage spot? Two weeks away from the draft. Is it players or is it teams? Who's got more leverage right now? I'd probably say teams right now have more leverage, especially if you have five picks in the first 101 picks, five picks selections in the first 101 goes, oh, yeah, really? We can get one of the best 100 college players right now to come in. Well, you hope one of the best ones, but you hope we're going to get one right now for it. If you want to keep running your mouth and saying, hey, no, you can't do this, well, we'll just get rid of you. I think it's more towards that point now. And I, I think the I think the teams have it before then, and then I think the players have it a little bit more toward like June 1st and everything because everybody's going to make that mad dash of trying to fill out the rest of their rosters ahead of training camp. And then you start to see more and more, I think, players have a little bit leverage, especially when teams get desperate if there's injuries and stuff like that. So right now I think – Teams have a little leverage, and they may be nudging a little bit more. I think when you look at what they did with uh, the Eagles, they were Rodney McLeod, even though they pretty much said, hey, you know what, we're going with Anthony Harris and we're not signing it, but I think they had a little bit more leverage if they wanted to bring him back and just go, you're going to take this number here, and if not, then eh, we'll, we'll just get, go in a different direction. And I think ultimately what they did that there. <laughs> uh, you mentioned those first uh, 101 picks, Chris, and how much the Eagles have. Um, so a lot of people understandably focus on the first round, 15 and 18, but I want to go in a different direction because I want to talk about those one-on-one. That's where you want guys to contribute at least. So obviously you want starters at the top, but you want at least contributors. Um, give me one guaranteed position. The Eagles are no question in those top 101 picks in one position, they're guaranteed not to take in those top 101 picks. Ooh. Guaranteed? That's a good question. I'd probably go quarterback. I probably would because I'm looking right now. I think Malik Willis will go. I don't think they're trading up for Malik Willis. I don't think Kenny Pickett's coming here. I don't think Matt Corral's coming here. I think the Saints won't be surprised if the Saints took Matt Corral at 18. And some of the other guys are there. I think they're if any, if anybody, I think they trade for one. So I'd probably say quarterback now, with tackle being a close second, given that you have Lane and Jordan Mailata. But but I really think right now, I think 
unless they, unless Malik unless something pops up where we see Malik Willis in like a gas mask with a bong or something like that popping up and he falls that way, huh? Hit, hit, wink, wink. But yeah, unless we see something like that, I, I don't foresee him. And then when you look at Pickett and Coral, I just don't think they'll, they'll go out the out the way to pick somebody like that. And Carson yeah, Strong, I, well, I like Carson Strong though. But let, let, let me follow that one up. If you have Carson Strong, Matt Corral. Well, I need your guaranteed prediction first, Jody. So what position are they guaranteed to come out of? There's probably a lot. But if you're saying, even if things fall in a negative, but say the top five edge rushers aren't there at 15, are they still going to get one at 101? They're still going to get a receiver no matter what? Which is the one position you say 100% they're coming out of there? I I like Chris's two choices. I would just flip-flop the order. I think it's more so tackle than quarterback because if Matt Corral drops down to the third round, now I don't think that's happening, but some people don't like him. I happen to like him a lot. John has said here on the show that they're bigger fans of Howell than I am. Those are the two guys I continue to come back to in a comparison. I like Matt Corral a lot. I don't like Sam Howell a little bit. John seems to believe the Eagles like Sam Howell a lot. And I have no idea what their opinion is on Matt Corral. But if one of those guys is sitting there in the third round, they did it just a couple of years ago and took Jalen Hurts when they thought he was value in the second round and a lot of dominoes fell thereafter. Oh, I think they could take a quarterback in the third round. And now it's it's going to have to be specialized. It's going to be you have to be that guy. But it, if the guy does fall that far down, I don't know if a, a top left tackle falls that far down that they're taking a left tackle even at 101. So that's why I would go with tackle over a quarterback as a position they won't be uh, levitating to. Yeah, Sam Howell to me is Mitch Trubisky light, and that's even saying a lot too. I, but I think your landscapers, John, just coming over this way, so I apologize <laughs> on that one too. But I, 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 I look at Sam Howell, I just look at his game, and I, there's there are too many times where he was, to, to me, he was inconsistent, and that a- ACC was not a tough conference last year yeah and he struggled at time. i i i know they're gonna say oh well yeah i don't like the offense i tell jody all the time i hate their offense i hate the way they run their (laughs) offense uh he did lose a ton of skill position talent from the year prior you see all those guys javante williams who i think i love javante williams as a player uh michael carter dynami brown they had another receiver that was drafted i always forget his name they had a ton of talent at the skill positions at North Carolina that left that kind of explain the downtick in production. But I think more so, you know, I, I think too many people get caught up on, on what prospects did at the college level. And that's the trick. It's not about what you did at the college. It's about evaluating what you're going to do at the pro level. But I, I don't like the player either, Jody. I, I, I just think they You're like just the giving us your uh, information yeah. from the Eagles. I understand. So I'm not disagreeing with you, John. I'm disagreeing with the Eagles <laughs> if they think he's a player. I watched the player play with talent around him as a junior, with less talent around him. Why wouldn't he elevate uh, any of those players? Because he's not that good a quarterback. And I don't think he's going to be a good pro quarterback. And by the way, I think the trade indicates – um, they're not taking a quarterback. I'm firmly in that camp that they now made the decision that they're not taking didn't, a quarterback. Didn't you say that two years ago when they had Jalen Hurts as their no. second round? They're That's not taking it. a quarterback. They just gave Carson Wentz a contract. They're not taking a quarterback. I wasn't oh, yeah, even – uh, I, I might have said it because it was stupid, but uh, 
uh, yeah, Jalen Hurts, it, it went the way it went. Now, the Eagles' thought process, I thought, was sound when they drafted Jalen Hurts. They drafted Jalen Hurts to be a cost-effective backup because their starter was always injured, which I think is pretty sound thinking, but it doesn't take into effect the human element of, hey, not everybody's okay with that, and that's how it kind of unfurled. So do you think the Eagles learned from that? And they just say, because the offseason's been the offseason, Chris, and the Eagles can say whatever they want, but we look at their actions, whether it's checking in on Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, whether it's making this trade, which is basically a neon light saying safety net, safety net, safety net. (laughs) We don't believe in the quarterback. Is it just they can do this now because they happen to have a quarterback that is mentally strong to handle it whereas not everybody in fact it's probably more likely that it would go in a negative direction this is one of the unique positives of Jalen Hurts from my perspective well I think even if it I still think even with that one I'd rather I think it'd be more telling when even when you look at the first round or anything like that for even the guys there I don't know like I don't foresee him being somebody who he, he right he's mentally strong and think he's somebody who you won't see starting to shirk away from it, even though I know people are going to bring up, oh, look what he did when he went to Alabama and Oklahoma. He didn't want to compete. Well, I think that's a whole different situation, a whole different situation. But I think overall it, it, won't, matter, it won't matter. And if they do take – I think if they do take one, it will be like a sixth or seventh round, like a Bailey Zapp type of guy, guy who just throws a lot. And The kid from Brown. Uh, EJ Perry, I think I like I, – actually, I had, and, and I, go back for it. I actually have him higher than Sam Howell personally. I think those are Ooh. a little bit better touch. It's like he's, especially he's when smart. it's smart line now. Yeah, you know he's smart. It's Jay Feeler, Jay Feeler part two there for the go. Eagles. There you go. <laughs> but, right. uh, and just saying this: if the right guy is there in the third round at eighty three, which is going to make it a day two pick, don't discount the possibility of the Eagles taking the quarterback. Now I don't know if that guy's going to be on the board still. But I'm just saying they've already shown a propensity to, as John correctly described, and nobody understood this when I said it, they're drafting Jalen Hurts to be a low-value, uh, good-salary backup quarterback to Carson Wentz. And everyone, you can't do that. I, I, how he got it right when he did it, and I sniffed it out ahead of time. And I think they may do that again in the third round this time. Uh, last thing for you, uh, Chris Franklin, running a little late. Um Rodney McLeod, not going to be back, signs a contract with the Colts. They'll find a way to replace what he did on the football field this last year where he didn't start. He started injured, didn't hit the ground running, took him time to get healthy enough to make a big play in the next last game of the season. Thanks for that, Rodney. Helped the Eagles make the playoffs last year. How are they going to replace him as a leader? The safety position has been a leader for the Eagles from Dawkins into Malcolm into Rodney it doesn't have to be, but that's just the way it's been with the Eagles. How big a loss is his leadership on this defense? I think it's huge because when you look at what he did, when you think about that plane ride they took back after that, they got blown out by the Raiders, they basically dominated by the Raiders, and think you have guys like that that turn things around and try to spark things. I think it's going to be huge. And Look, when it comes defensively, I don't see anybody in that defensive backfield right now that plays safety doing that to slay step up a little bit. Maybe, perhaps, but I think the easiest one to insert is going to cost you a little bit, and that's Tyron Matthew. I think he's a, people respect him. I think we, people do that, and he can insert him as a leader. But 
when you look at what you have right now on that roster with Marcus Epps, if he's a special teams, maybe Epsy, a captain, come on. Special you know, teams, yeah. my guy. Yeah, I'm sorry. But yeah, if he's a special teams captain, if he wants to replace Alex Singleton as a special teams captain, hey, more power to him. But I don't know if he's that type of leader for the defensive side of things on that. No, but Anthony, you know what? Anthony Harris is a, 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 a leader and he's a good guy off the field, too. That's true. And it's ironic that, you know, Rodney and Anthony Harris were college teammates. They ended up as professional teammates. And maybe Rodney sort of mentored Anthony Harris into a leadership position, at least for a year. <laughs> you sure we'll have so. to wait and see. Chris, great stuff. Sorry we got you a little no. bit late today. We'll punch up again in a couple of weeks. Draft is right around the corner. We'll continue to have fun with it, and we'll have fun with you whenever you come on. Thanks for joining us, bud. Thanks, guys. Thanks, I do better job because spam. Chris, Chris Franklin, NJ.com, here on the Sunbirds 365. All right, quickie timeout. Come back. We got to put a bow on the show. Here on Birds. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.
get your uh, Mac and Mac guy, John McCollum, Jody McDonald, wrapping up a Birds 365 as the countdown. The draft continues to play on. We're going to try and get a bunch of draft guys up between now and the uh, Thursday of night one of the NFL draft. Let me follow up with you because I posed a question to Chris, and uh, I don't know if you got a full chance to answer it. The two front office guys who decided to take their acts to Chicago and New York during this offseason were contributed to the Eagles. We're not flies on the wall during the draft preparation and or then draft day, but Jeff Lurie certainly talked them up as potential general manager. They were, at least in his eyes, key uh, members of the Philadelphia Eagles staff, and they haven't replaced him. I understand there's some uneasiness about taking someone else's player. People don't want to leave their teams because they committed to them leading up to the draft. Didn't seem to bother the Eagle guys to go to another team leading up to it, but the Eagles haven't been able to replace them or have chosen not to replace them. How big a deal is that in the Eagles war room this year, John? Yeah, I, I don't think it's um, optimal as Howie Roseman explained, um, but they've been through it before in 2016. He mentioned uh, where Tom Donahue essentially stepped up uh when things shifted and they had a um, sort of short uh, for them, uh, lesser uh, scouting staff and guys will step up. You know, the biggest concern is the Eagles got that rule changed, by the way, um, at the meetings, you can now not handle higher uh, secondary football executives as they are called. So non GMs until after the draft now. So they, were successful they were one of i think three teams sponsoring that so they were successful uh in changing the calendar they will make promotions and hire people after the draft uh that's how uh scouting works um so if they're gonna for instance typically in in the history how they've done things is uh they will promote people so anthony patch who's currently the senior director of college scouting, he'd be a, a, a likely guy who who might get promoted to Ian's job or Brandon's job. Uh, Alan Wolking, um, TJ McCrate, they have a lot of guys that maybe people haven't heard of. The bigger concern is Andy Weidel is one of the guys who interviewed for the Steelers GM job. Kevin Colbert's retiring after the draft. And uh, there is a uh, Pittsburgh beat reporter uh, who's very close to the team uh, who says Weidel's the leader in the clubhouse to be in the Steelers GM. So if they lose Andy Weidel on top of it, then you got a p- big concern. They still have Dave Caldwell, remember, the former GM at the Jaguars. So they have a lot of talent, as Jeffrey Laurie calls it. They're always adding talent to the front office but they will make those changes as far as promotions and hires. They will make those after the draft and how we explained that at the, um, at the combine, he actually explained that and they went through it before 2016. So they have that fail safe at Tom Donahoe who's been there for a long time. Um, they went through it in 2016. He said, there's no excuses, but they will make those changes after the draft. Since Andy Weidel is guaranteed to be here through the draft, 
I'll worry about losing Andy Weidel when I lose Andy Weidel. And he is going to be a key contributor to form this year. More pressure on him there because of the defections than probably even Howie. But I'll, we'll cross that worry bridge when we get to it, John. Don't have to worry about it before the draft. Uh, where our worries are over for the day because the show is. You good to go again tomorrow? Let's do it. Give me a two and two, Jody. We'll be back with Birds 365 tomorrow in two and two. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Welcome to another round of Boardroom or Miro Board. Today we talk retrospectives with Agile Coach Maria. Let's go. First question. You've spent two hours in a team retro, but the only input you've heard is Dave's. Boardroom or Miro Board? Boardroom. In Miro, Dave can't hog the space because everyone can add thoughts anonymously. Online at the same time. Correct. Next. You need the team to act on feedback fast, so you turn all those retro notes into JIRA tasks instantly. Miro all the way. And I can assign those tasks to teammates. You're nailing this. Now, you see hundreds of sticky notes from the retro. A real mess. But you organize them into five themes in just seconds. Miro, I basically get back an entire hour when I use its AI tools for clustering. And she's done it. Join over 60 million people running actually enjoyable and actionable retros in Miro. Get your first three boards free at Miro.com. That's M-I-R-O.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.